You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Pasikala. What's the scariest thing that you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is a result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. Jordan Nunchros again. Oh, hey there. <laughs> um, this is the fourth episode of 3 a.m. Your host, uh, Jordan. Uh, my name is Charlie. My name is DJ. I'm Sean. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sean. That's what I said. How y'all doing today? Out there in listener world, podcast land. Thanks for tuning in. We're happy to have you. Uh, we have a handful of stories to share. Anybody want to start off? I'm not feeling compelled yet. There's so many trash stories online. They're just so bad. <laughs> and then the comments of people are like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I'm like, what? Standards are very low. So bad. <laughs> okay, have you guys thought about the scariest scenario so like, like a your horror, scariest scenario? Yeah, like scenario? a horror situation, whether, whether it's a serial killer or it's like a monster or vampire or something, do you know what's your work, like your kryptonite? You're like, oh, I'm screwed when this is happening. So what are you most afraid of? Yeah, but not even, not necessarily that. It's more like a horror situation that's already been put in place, something that terrifies So what's you. yours? I don't know. I just thought of it right now, so I wanted to ask it. Because hmm. I probably have a lot. <laughs> I think the scenario that would scare me the most is undeniable demonic possession. I'd be like, damn it. I don't want to deal with this. Like the superpower strength and like <laughs> Someone starts Latin. Yeah, speaking <laughs> Latin and I'm oh, I'll just like, Ugh. I'm like, Ugh, this is too much. I think that'd be mine. I think for me it'd be like wrong turn or um hills have eyes. Just like driving alone or with your family out there camping and just some rednecks just start eating your family in front of you 
and they save you for last, and then they kidnap you and use you for reproduction. That'd be horrible. I think I'd have to agree with Charles. Just a demonic. That's like otherworldly. Just something we don't understand. So, if it was like a, a, a serial killer, somebody trying to physically hurt you, or at least, you know, you could try to fight back, but somebody starts floating and throwing fire, PK fire at you, <laughs> I would just, I'd just run towards the fire. <laughs> so it's like with a human, you're playing on the same rules, but it's the second you're not playing on the same rules, I'm not down. So like aliens, it's like, okay, who knows what they can do. Uh, I also agree with Jordan in that, how do I politically correctly say rednecks <laughs> bro it's the wor- you rural can't be racist rural towards white caucasian people kind, dude. the rural caucasian bro that backyard african backwoods that backwoods white boy yeah like in django unchained towards the end there's those white trash dudes deep in the woods with their dogs oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and they let their dogs loose to go eat one of the slaves are, those are the people you're talking about. Yeah, that's my worst. That's like my worst nightmare. Yeah, but also like I feel like Hills Have Eyes is like a step further because they're like, mutants. Yeah, like mutants. They have like weird extra strength because of their mental capacity and breadness. <laughs> I know what you're saying, dog. Breadness, like was, the dude in uh, dude, Men. That in... was an impressively way to put that. I, I got to be honest. The, the first Men in Black. Darn strength. The dude who's like <laughs> more sugar in his water. Yes, <laughs> yes. He, yeah, he goes. He goes more. <laughs> More. More. <laughs> Sugar. Just wearing overalls. More. Like Plus, oh, he, like, he was terrifying to me because my least favorite thing besides mayonnaise is cockroaches. Oh, dude, yeah, those are valid. I hate things. cockroaches. So when he has them crawling out of his every witch hole on his body, I just want to gag and a choke on my, my vomit and just die. One time my cousin was lying in his bed. He was trying to fall asleep. And he kept hearing this noise from the vent above his head. And he was staring at this vent and he could hear this like coming from the vent. And as he's staring at it, a fatty cockroach comes through the grate and falls on him on the bed. And he he screamed and jumped out. I would have jumped out of my window regardless of how high it was. Growing up, my grandpa, after he and my grandma divorced, uh, I was... <laughs> right (laughs) just kidding i'm sorry um i would stay with him sometimes he lived on the town side uh of the island he had like he had a roommate now that i think about it that's weird like 60 years old i mean (laughs) Um, you gotta pay rent though you know you gotta pay rent. yeah but this dude had his own separate room and i remember he walked out one morning with this huge bulge on his head and i was four years old Four, three, four, five years old. I remember asking my grandpa, I was like, Papa, what, what happened to him? <laughs> like, did he get mugged or something? And apparently, a fatty centipede bit him while he was sleeping. Oh. Just like on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> so you see those videos where, like, those Japanese people get those surgeries. Yes. Those aesthetic surgeries like that put like a donut. Saline donut. <laughs> saline donut yeah. on their forehead. That's what it looked like. But from a centipede. Oh, That's man. disgusting too. 
Centipedes are like the only bad thing about Hawaii. And I, my other friend from Hawaii said they'll like hang over like door stops and stuff and like yes. fall on you. Yes. They know, dude. Going back to cockroaches, my world was blown. When I was living in the Philippines, I didn't realize cockroaches can fly because <laughs> they don't apparently in the States or the lower 48 at least, you know. <laughs> They do in Hawaii as well. Do so. they? It's wild because I like I saw cockroaches in California, but they weren't like flying around. So I'm in in the Philippines. I've lived there for like at least eight months by this time. So I've been there for a good amount of time. I'm going up. There's a cockroach, just kind of a big a cockroach, just in our room on the wall. I approach it, you know, very quietly and cautiously because like I'm gonna get this dude right. Not gonna kill it because I have respect for God's creations. I'm gonna just you know just get it out of there. Just get get away from here. Go to touch it. It just flies straight at my face. And at that moment, like I did not think that that was. It was like a cat flying. Like I did not think it was physically possible for cockroaches to fly. And this like six inch cockroach just flew right at my face, and I screamed. That's a terrifying thing too. We had them in Hawaii. So growing up, we would see them. But they don't just fly. They fly at people. Yeah. Like they have a personal vendetta and they have nothing to lose. Just hella bitter, salty That's roaches. The, the scariest type of creature, person, when they have nothing to lose. That's probably why you're afraid of white trash, deep backwood people. They're cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's... But like when some someone or something has nothing to lose, like have you ever had a cat actually angry at you and it starts like hissing, wanting to go? You know what I'm saying? Like make love to you or like attack you? Either way, terrifying. Oh, okay. But I'm saying attack. Yeah. Actually trying to, have you ever had something do that to you? I don't know. A cat? I can't remember. Not not one enough for it's... me to remember terrifying and you think you're big and then right when the thing comes at you dude you just start running you're the smallest yeah thing. you're like eee! same with the cockroach <laughs> get out of here no. the cockroach Tiny is the ins- size of your toe and you're running away from it yeah you just shrink down to their size and you're like this thing owns me um we should see uh this is very off topic but we should see uh pet cemetery on tuesday <laughs> i'm so down i need to see a good movie actually i was gonna see it's if i could be good what did you guys think of us I liked it. I like how it tied up, and um, I don't. I can't give away anything because Charles hasn't seen it yet. But I enjoyed it. It wasn't super scary, but if that would have happened to you, that would be scary. I remember we. This was a few years ago, and we were just exploring up in the mountains. Somebody asked the question, "What's the most terrifying sound? What sound oh. could be made that would freak you out?" For me, I don't know why where this came from, but. The sound that I always thought of was like this guttural, low voice. I've always like pictured it in my head and in my mind, but I've never heard it anywhere until the movie Us. Have you not seen The Grudge? The gr- that one's a little different. Yeah, I yeah. That's like it's it's kind of it's it's like on the same playing field. I feel like, but not quite as like as intense or as deep as you can see from the trailer. There's doppelgangers. And when the main doppelganger speaks that voice, I was like, that's the creepiest sound <laughs> that I've okay. exactly that I've envisioned in my head for years. And <laughs> this is great. Also, not great. <laughs> I have a kind of a story along with that. So there's a movie, Amityville Horror, like the original. Not the one that came out in the 2000s. No. So the Amityville Horror, if you don't know what it's about, look it up. I'm not going to explain it. 
in the first one, the dad gets possessed. Number two, the son gets possessed, and he's the one who kills his whole family. Same family? I don't know. So what it is is as he's walking around, he's always wearing his headset, and he's like listening to his cassettes. And at first it's music, and he's just kind of like a disconnected teen. But then the music starts saying things, and he starts listening. And by the end, the music is full on like, kill your family, like go in and kill them. And he's just listening to this cassette, like at the family dinner and stuff like that. (laughs) And that terrified me. I saw that when I was like 10. Oh, so Momo. KS Momo. Momo is... If you've seen pictures of her, she has huge oh, eyes I've and like that. the weird cutout smile, and she tells children to either commit suicide or harm or hurt, even kill others. So, where does this Momo reside? In all of us. In all of us, <laughs> we are Momo. No, it's just like a it's like a meme on the internet to scare kids. It's like, uh, meh. I like I thought it was one of those like underground like YouTube things where it's like like the weird stuff that kids are say, like in kids shows, and they like insert like Elsa, Elsa weird stuff. Elsa Gate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there are stories of that actually though. But I don't know how credible they are. So anyway, so Amityville Horror, this tape is playing. So in high school, a couple years later, I Kazaa just hit the streets and I was downloading all of my stuff through like Kazaa and Frostwire and stuff like that. And uh, so I downloaded Atmosphere's new album, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm so cool!" God loves ugly. Yeah, and I was <laughs> yeah. I was an angsty teenager, and I was walking around with my headphones all the time. My mom's like, "What do you listen to?" I was like, "Nothing." <laughs> MC Slug. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't know, Ma. Green Day. I was listening to music one day, and I think it was late at night. I might have been drawing, and the track ended, and all of a sudden it was like, <laughs> and made like a tear. And I threw <laughs> my CD player across the room, and I stared at it, and I was like, oh, it's happening. Like, he found me, dude. I was so scared. And I didn't listen to that. I Like, I didn't listen to music for a while. And then it took me a while, a couple months later, before I would listen to that song again. Turns out it was, like, on the track, and it was just, like, a weird recording. <laughs> but for for a minute, I thought I was dancing with the devil. Was it like late at night too? Because yeah. I would have just added to that. Oh, I stayed up to like four every night during <laughs> high school, like an idiot. Because, um, like, you know, you're like up at like two or three a.m. and um, <laughs> and uh, and it's like little sounds. Just everything is just so enhanced. You automatically are like already in that that like mindset, you know. So that oh, I would die. Ugh. I wrecked me, but it made me think of like what's the scariest noise you could hear. At the time, that was it for me, Deej. <laughs> I feel like just hearing a normal, like, your own voice, like, telling you something creepy. Yo. I'm behind you. And it's, like, it's you telling you that. And you're just like, what? I was going to say, when you ask, like, what's the scariest? You guys don't know. <laughs> but what, last week, we decided to go explore haunted places up in Salt Lake. And while we were walking in the forest, someone asked, okay, what's the scariest thing that could possibly happen right now? And so we started talking about different scenarios. So the scariest thing that I could think of, if you like, you were walking down the past in the forest and you see yourself, or you see someone who should be in your group with you, like a goat man type thing. Uh-huh. I was alone. And I heard me talk to me. 
that might break my brain. I don't know. Would you trust yourself? Like, say, like, you're, you see your, you know, like, there's, like, certain movies. I'm trying to think of a specific one. Like, will you go back in time or whatever, and then it's, like, yourself is guiding you through it to, like, Well, luckily, I've set up a code with myself, so if that happens, I know what to tell me. So you know it's the real you and not, like, yeah. a clone. And if he gets it wrong, he's going to get dead. I want to trust myself. <laughs> Unless what? it gave me the clip. Dude, you never know. Oh, unless... It, yeah, That's like it step one of deception. It's like, give you some familiarity so that you're comfortable, and now I'm going to take advantage. In Captain Marvel, I just saw this last night, <laughs> you so can it's ruin fresh. whatever you Yeah, want. dude, just tell, tell <laughs> like our listeners okay. what happens. I know. I know. <laughs> um, it's not even a huge spoiler either, but um, there is the some alien race, but one of their traits is they can copy your dna oh they're like changelings or the, yeah they're they're like changelings and it's down to the dna so like somebody took their blood sample they still wouldn't tell what it's pretty crazy yeah. do they that get their ability. memories what is that do they get their memories interesting part is they get their recent memories i don't know how far back if it's like a day or two okay um, but interesting the main people who were fighting them each of them had like their own code number or name that was secret um, and something that they knew from a long time ago. So that's what they would use to identify if they were the real deal or not. That just reminded me of that. That's wild. Yeah. So. Do you guys have things you would reveal to yourselves? You should tell me what they are. I don't have one. I'm not telling you. <laughs> I can't do that right now because what if my alter evil self is listening to this podcast? Just whisper it to me. What no. kind of frozen yogurt what did she want? <laughs> what was like the scariest folklore you heard as a kid? All of them. Just kidding. <laughs> what I shared last episode, Night Marchers. Oh. I remember the first time I learned about Night Marchers, I was under 10 years old. And I remember coming home and we had a two-story house and it was time for bed. It's like 8 o'clock. <laughs> Upstairs was pitch black, and I remember sitting at the bottom of the stairs, just bawling my eyes out, just looking upstairs at how dark it was, and thinking about night marchers, the torches, and the banging of the drums, and my eyes rolling back, and my fingers breaking, and my life ending. So that was my childhood. (laughs) And your mom hit you. (laughs) Go to bed. I remember... A friend of mine having an, an irrational fear of chubacabras. Dude, and I that's was like, not irrational. I was like, grow up. I was like, 11? <laughs> I was like, you're fine, dude. We were outside, and he was like, don't even say it, dude. And I was like, we're <laughs> fine. It's like, chill. When we were out, when we were up in Salt Lake doing all the haunted stuff, I saw like a little fox, and immediately I was like, chupacabra. <laughs> like, I was like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> For me, Honestly, like, I don't know if it's like, I'm trying to think of like a specific folklore story, but for me, mostly, I think it was just like evil spirits. That was just something I was like, was, am, still just like, you know, just a little aware of, you know, just want to, don't want to tickle it, don't want to force it, but also don't want to experience it either. So um, as a kid, I would just be like, if it got, it was really dark or really quiet, really late, I just was so scared that I'd hear like a voice or like see some figure or something so my dad told me when i was little um that oftentimes with demonic possessions or demonic um, encounters 
you can smell sulfur, like preempting their arrival. And I was probably 10 when he told me this. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I'd be walking around like trying to breathe through my mouth. Cause I was like, hell no. Like if I was scared at night sitting in my bed, I was like terrified. I was going to start smelling sulfur. So I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, freaked out. I legit still do that. Like, I'm like, if I smell it, I'm not out, but like, if I don't smell it, I'm like, was that sulfur? Is that sulfur or Sean? <laughs> Both. I think the most haunted place in Hawaii is the Big Island. A big part of that, from what the locals believe, and from what I guess we were kind of taught growing up, is because of the volcanic activity. That's where new life is. Land is being created. With that new life comes new spirits almost. It's like, so it's like a portal? Or like... Almost, yeah. Like where life is being created, it's like, yeah. It's almost like you're close to the other side. You know, whatever that might be. It's, it just reminded me because of what you were saying. Because you are talking about sulfur. And that's the smell oh, around yeah. volcanoes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So. There might be something to that. That would be interesting. Yeah, if there was. Like if, um, and especially because I feel like, because in Hawaiian culture, right, isn't it? Is our, volcanoes are very sacred. And they're also like a place of, like where ancestors and like spiritual activity is very rampant, right? Is that is that kind of like a belief or a. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, definitely. There's a national park. um yeah, it is a national park. Volcanoes National Park, <laughs> where Kilauea is still erupting right now. I remember I was in Scouts during my adolescence, and we had one big hiking trip a year. We we did a bunch of campouts and hiking. A lot of times our fathers would come, really good bonding activities, whatnot. But we planned one big trip every year, and my very first one was on the Big Island. And we went hiking a ton the hardest one was only 15 miles. It was supposed to be like eight, but this was in, I, I was 12. So this is 15 years ago. Nobody has smartphones. We were using like actual maps. <laughs> and as part of scouts, we had compasses as well. Uh, <laughs> it was part of like an orienteering merit badge. So it was a pretty bare bones way of navigation, but that's what we had. But the map ripped. And that's why it went from eight miles to 15 miles. <laughs> and it, and the terrain was in like the lava deserts, oh, like where so everything was beautiful. Yeah. Not, not pretty at all. Just Everything's barren wasteland. Yeah. Barren wasteland and black, black and jagged rocks up and down, up and down. Like it wasn't, there wasn't one part that was flat. So it was just rough terrain and we were lost, <laughs> but, um, we when we finally made it to the cabin I, i'd have to talk to one of my scout leaders to see if they still have these pictures but these were still the days of like disposable cameras like digital cameras weren't quite a thing yet so we developed the pictures after the trip and we stayed in this cabin at volcanoes national park where there's a lot of stories about spirits wandering around both good and bad but spirits wandering everywhere nonetheless and in the cabin we stayed at, pretty remote, and in the pictures we developed, one of my buddies, Ian, was standing in the doorway, 
and the flash of the disposable disposable camera was on and in the hallway we were standing and the light was on as well but the room behind him was the the light was off and in the <laughs> developed picture you can very clearly see a hand right behind him like reaching towards him or reaching towards the doorway that he was standing in and that was just really eerie super creepy and it, it if you look at the picture it's it couldn't have been anything else oh it's it was like an apparition kind of transparent but very clearly a hand like you see the wrinkles in the palm the fingernails like <laughs> it was it was pretty creepy dude that's wild you need to hit him up yeah there's a couple of people i could talk to to see if they maybe still have those pictures. What do you think of pictures like that that have, I don't know, I guess ghosts or spirits in them? I remember my aunt uh, growing up, and she told me that spirits live in trees. And she was a teacher at uh, an intermediate school about 10 minutes away from my house. There's a huge, huge banyan tree, which are all over in Hawaii. It almost looks like if you've seen Avatar with the blue people, it kind of looks like that. It's just huge. It, it's like a big umbrella, almost. It's one of those ones with like thick roots that like kind of pop out. Yeah, and they pop out like... of the ground. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and when it's fully grown, the treetop just looks like a huge umbrella. Really beautiful. They were planning on cutting down the tree because it was just too big. Before they cut it down, she took a picture of it. And in the picture, you can see a couple of faces in the tree and i remember her showing me that as well and i think i was about the same age Hmm. that we went on that camping trip but have you seen anything like that before personally no i have no like personal experiences with it and like and like every single one that i do see i always just think "Eh, it's just a digital artifact because like i don't know i photoshop every single day for my work so when I see a lot of things, I'm like, meh. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's definitely harder nowadays with it being the, the, the digital. digital age. <laughs> but back then, like I said, you know, people were still using disposable cameras and nobody was Photoshopping anything. No, it's always like creeped me out. Like when you see those photos and you're just like, oh, that looks like something behind them. But I've never had, I've never like developed my own film and saw anything well but wait who told you wait so spirits live in trees she was saying yeah my aunt was telling me that that's wild so like the lumber industry is basically like like gentrifying spirits (laughs) (laughs) moving in (laughs) get out i don't know if other cultures believe that i don't even know if that's strictly a hawaiian thing or not i feel like in Hawaii, anything that has to do with nature is just almost like like God's hand is in nature, you know, creating things. So his power or influence or spirits can linger within those creations. I, get, I, I think that's kind of the idea, like going back to the volcanic activity and then trees, you know. I don't know. I think there's like legitimacy to that for sure, though. Did you hear that there's a new... A new island popping up in Hawaii. Really? Yeah, dude. Finna go buy some land, boy. How long? <laughs> How long we have to wait till that thing gets gets all clear? It's a couple thousand years. Damn. 
Yeah. Actually, in the Hawaiian chain, I mean, there's eight islands in Hawaii right now. Actually, I think technically nine, but it's not. Don't count the leper colony or what? Yeah, the one with all the lepers on it? No, no, no. And they used to use for like... The leper colony is on Kauai, I think. Molokai? Kauai? I think it's on Kauai, but uh, they've eradicated that disease from there, so um, that was a thing in the past. In the actual chain, though, there's like a couple hundred islands developing. They're still underwater, but volcanic activity, and every year they grow a half an inch or something like that. Super interesting. A burning ring of fire. Can you imagine if you were exploring on Kauai, and you like find an old derelict building with containers in it. You open the containers, and there's just leprous bodies in there. Good lord. <laughs> just a vat and they're all just kind of squished in there by that point you're already contaminated exactly dude you've been breathing their air How do you... i would just dive head first into <laughs> that pile because leprosy is like one of those diseases you get and then like you can't like reverse the what's already happened you can just stop it where it's at right i guess i would dive into the barrel and then buy a ticket to new york <laughs> <laughs> dude go shanghai dude <laughs> Kill more population. I'm just kidding. JK. <laughs> uh, I'll tell. I'll tell. Not that one. I'm gonna tell one about my dad. So, um, my dad has like six stories that he told me growing up that I remembered, and they like stuck with me. So I'll tell one of them. My dad, much like me, was a, f- a latchkey kid. So his parents both bought a restaurant in salt lake when he was like 10 and every night they'd work till like 10 or 11 at night so he'd get home from school at 3 3 30 and he'd be alone till 10 and he's like 11 12 13 14 so he had like the run of the house he said he gained a ton of weight because he just ate like six <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for dinner every night <laughs> um but in the, in high school he started, oh, this is weird. He started reading a book. And he, he started reading the book Amityville Horror. Oh, weird. Yeah. And if you don't know, it's a story of a family on the East Coast who move into a home. And the father becomes possessed and kills the whole family. So there's super iconic scenes in the movie and book of the priest coming into a room. And it's he's being overwhelmed by flies covering the walls like getting into his face and stuff there's other scene like i mentioned before the kid hearing the demonic voice and then shooting his siblings and stuff in their sleep so he starts reading this book and he said he gets about halfway when he can't he can't even be in the house alone so he started having to go to friends houses right because he's alone he's alone in this house he's Mm -hmm. terrified and by this time my dad is dating my mom in high school and he said his his room was all the way at the top of the stairs. Then you'd come down the stairs and there was like a landing. There was another bedroom, the sewing room, and then you'd go down to the main floor. So him and my mom were coming down the stairs and he looks into the sewing room and the entire window is covered in flies. And that's like one of the scenes in Amityville Horror is <laughs> the room is covered in flies. And he said he stopped and just stared. Like one of those instances where your brain can't really compute what's, hap- compute what's happening. So he's like standing there looking and he said 
no joke, you couldn't see through the window. There was just flies covering this window. So he just ran in and grabbed the window, opened it, shut the door, and left. And I don't think he came home for a while. And then, uh, uh, like, when he came home, like, a day later, they were all gone. Oh, man. But he said after that, after that experience, he stopped reading about demons. He stopped reading about all that stuff. And he, like, never pursued it again. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) That's so wild, though. Just a window full of flies. At least they weren't those orange and black bugs from the freaking... (laughs) the house so kind of like your mom's warning my dad gave me a warning when i was little just like i think that's why he told me about the sulfur and stuff like be super careful about entertaining or like engaging looking things out obviously it didn't help but well like i think i kind of relate it to i think about it like someone who's positive or negative like you can easily feel that energy somebody who's very upbeat and positive they like help lighten a room up but also like either the same people or other people can kind of bring it down by just being negative right Mm -hmm. and i think the same kind of thing happens with like you know talking about scary stories or making those connections like those darker things it just kind of brings like a darker energy and it's not that like inherently all of it's evil it's just like it's just more like inviting you know you know what i mean i 100 percent know what you mean feel that too like we kind of talked about it last time too but i agree with you when you start talking about things, you invite them. And one of the things I do not like talking about because it always happens is sleep paralysis. So every time I've told my experiences or the experiences that I know, someone invariably has it like that night and someone who hasn't experienced it. And so I feel super guilty. (laughs) That happened to me a lot growing up. I must have experienced sleep paralysis 50 times, at least. I I experienced it a lot, too, and um, maybe not that much, but I definitely experienced it a, a good amount of times, like in high school, I remember, especially like right before my mission. Mm-hmm. I experienced it a lot, like 18, 19. Your mission? Right before it, yeah. Do we have odds for who's going to get it tonight, then? Have <laughs> you Have you had sleep paralysis? No. It's easy, you, because no, all three of us already got it, dude. I'm the most skeptical here. It's not going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember growing up, like, talking about it. Did you understand what it was? Did you know it had a name? At first, no. No I, idea. I had no idea what it was. It would just happen, and it would be terrifying. Okay, for our listeners who are uneducated or uninitiated, def- what is sleep paralysis? So the experience, uh, basically what happens when you are sleeping there's a point where you feel like you can't breathe you can't move and a lot of times people start to hallucinate um, and and see and see and hear things that aren't actually happening Um, and growing up when i experienced it i swear i was awake and i was conscious and i knew what was going on and what was going on was I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. And I would see shadows. So you would actually see shadows? Mm-hmm. Oh, wild. Do you yeah. remember your dreams that would lead up to it? Because I'd always have very similar dreams that would lead up to mine. No. No, I personally don't remember anything leading up to it or anything visual or audible leading up to it. Uh, but it's happened so frequently to me now. I know when it's going to happen. 
You can feel it. Yeah, I can feel it coming on. Me too, yeah. And that makes sense. I can prevent it, but it's still pretty scary. And it's interesting because I'll prevent it, and I feel like I just got out of, like, a battle or, like, a fight because (laughs) it's... Yes, exactly. It leaves me, like, breathless, and I'm, like, exhausted, Mm -hmm. and I feel even more tired, and I'll sink back into sleep paralysis again. Yeah, I was going to say, have you ever come out of it and gone back in? Yes, it's happened. It's happened... Yeah, and it gets worse almost every time it feels like. Um, I think the most it's happened to me was maybe like three or four times in one night. Oh, what? I want to ex- like what it's what it's like for me. Most of the time, I'm sleeping, and I can. I, you know when you're okay. So it's a hard. It's the space between awake and asleep. Scientifically, speaking. for me, that's what it feels like. It's like I'm asleep, but I'm still aware of my surroundings, mm-hmm. where I'm not quite awake, and then I can feel it coming on. And then I get overcome by overwhelming fear. And then all of a sudden, it feels like I'm being held down, like mm-hmm. pushed down. And and I, sw- on a couple occasions, I sink into the bed. Like it feels like I'm moving down. Like, mm-hmm. And then you can't breathe. You can't move. You're, you're like using all of your strength to try to like lift your arm. Nothing's working. And you're screaming for someone nothing yeah and and it's it's like a battle for your life so when you finally come out of it and you like snap out of it you're like <gasps> and you feel so drained and tired but that's what it's like for me yeah it, that's kind of how it is for me as well the way i've always explained it is i feel like most people have had dreams where they're falling and then they kind of like hit the ground and then they wake up just kind of like jolt. that jolt yeah sleep paralysis to me is that split second of where you hit the ground and that jolt, but it lasts for that's a great like 10, 20, 30 seconds. And I feel like time that's is great, yeah. not real when you're like sleep paralysis because it feels like an hour, but realistically, it's probably like 10 seconds. It's probably like, yeah, 10, 30 seconds max, I would say, but it feels like an hour almost sometimes. What do you guys do to get out of it? Because when I, whenever I'm in it, and I, cause like you, you, it, it hits you, right? And you're just like, you're overwhelmed. You, you, you feel all like the tightness. You can't move. You, you can't breathe. And so that's what scares me is like, I can't breathe. I'm not going to, I'm going to suffocate. And then all of a sudden I start focusing on my breathing and I'm like, oh, wait, I can breathe. Hmm. And I start breathing. And then it's like, and then after what it feels like is forever, you're able to eventually move. And you're like, okay, now I can, you know, now I can break out of it. But it's like, what do you do? Like, what do you guys focus on when, like, once you realize, because I feel like when it first happens, you don't realize what's happening. And then you're like, oh, no, no, no. It's sleep paralysis. I've, I've done this before. For me, the physical thing that I'll do is roll over. I try to, like, physically roll my body over. So it feels like I'm, like, almost, like, binded oh, dude, by, like, I don't know, a rope or a chain. And, like, I legit, like, try to, like, spread my arms out and, like, turn my body and when I do, it, it's, just, it's so exhausting, dude. Yeah. It's so tiring. It's such a oh. stressful thing to think about right now because mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've had it. And like rethinking about it, I'm like, it sucks. I've had a, I, I had a roommate who watched me have sleep paralysis and tried to wake me up. Whoa. And I kind of wish he like filmed it or something <laughs> so I could see what, it, what I look like in it. But, um, how'd they describe it? I woke them up because I was like mumbling 
not say uh, like my mouth was closed but i was just kind of like like struggling out of it and that's also part of how i try to get out of sleep paralysis like i try to say something or yeah but um that's what woke him up and then he said he could just see me kind of almost like like my body was just kind of like wiggling a little bit back and forth like struggling or something but yeah my most extreme uh sleep paralysis was when i told the ouija board story i would have sleep paralysis and then i was watching my body from above me and i could see my room and my eyes were closed so I could see the room, but my eyes were closed. So you're also astroplaning as well? <laughs> I think like a little bit. Oh my goodness. And every time I would look, I would see that shadow at the door. And and that's like a big part of sleep paralysis is people mm. see shadow people. And dark like figures. Dark figures. Or, standing yeah. at the foot of your bed, standing at the door, things like that. For our listeners, I think that was episode one about the Ouija board. Either one or two. I think it was, I you have, have so you have a 50-50 chance of it. Yeah, we don't really know. You might not. You might not hear it. But uh, for me, like, I would have when I was little, I would have the same dream over and over, and I don't remember my dreams. Like, I rarely remember my dreams. So I, re- I probably can remember like seven dreams I've had in my whole life, but they're always very like apparent, which is very interesting for, to me because I don't like some people. Like, oh, I know what I dreamed about last night. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I might have little inklings or whatever memories of them but basically i would always sleep paralysis dream so my sleep paralysis dream would be when i was little my dad would be like going somewhere and i had originally told him i would come or i wouldn't come or something like that he would leave and then he'd be like jordan you ready to go and like i wouldn't be able to move to like go and i'd feel super bad because he wanted me to he wanted me to come and then i wouldn't want to go um, but then I'd also have, there's a couple dreams where I'd have like something was like after me. And then once you're in that sleep paralysis, you can't move. So it's going to get you. And so you have like that feeling of like, I need to move right now, but you can't. And it's just, oh gosh. <laughs> this show is sponsored by better help. Have you ever had a relationship that you're proud of? Proud of because you put in the work and the other person put in the work as well uh didn't have to be perfect but uh effort was made honest effort i think it's definitely more rare to have those types of relationships Uh, the good thing is with with therapy at least in my experience uh that's something i've been able to find Uh, somebody who invests in me uh, especially when i invest in myself and we'd love 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 for you to experience something similar so if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Uh, it's entirely online, designed to be convenient and flexible, suited to your schedule. Uh, become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m. today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I actually have a story. Um, 
the other night, uh, Sunday night, we had a bunch of friends over, um, I think originally for a movie, but uh, we were all just hanging out in the living room. Just out there slinging. And before, we're, before we got to what we were wanting to do, I just asked if anybody had any scary stories Smart. or scary things that they encountered. And everybody was like, I have one. I have one that I've personally experienced. It's like, yes, this is perfect. Um, I need to start being more social so I can get more stories. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm not in these opportunities often. <laughs> so, um, and I, I've, I've actually been doing this for the past few weeks. Like any social setting, <laughs> I'll just ask people like what, what scary stories they have. And there was a point where we just turned off all the lights. I brought out a candle. Uh, lit it, put it in the middle of the room, and then we just told stories. Um, and this one came from a friend named Molly. And this happened about three or four years ago. And at the time, she was living in New Caledonia. Where the hell's that, dog? For, for, our, for our listeners. I thought it was good at geography, <laughs> but what is that? Well, uh, New Caledonia is, I think, a part of... Melanesia, yes, close to Australia, just northeast of Australia. But yeah, I think it's a part of Melanesia, which also includes like Vanuatu. Melanesia just borders um, Polynesia. So it's in the southwest Pacific. Yeah, we were all sitting in the living room and we started sharing stories. A good friend of mine, Molly, uh, shared one of hers. And this was probably, to me, this is the one that I found most terrifying out of all the stories that were shared and i was really excited to share it here but um uh, molly is a member of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints you might know them as the mormons and this has this is part of the context of her story she served as one of those mormon missionaries you may have seen out in new caledonia and new caledonia is part of melanesia it's in south west pacific um right outside of australia um so real quick like what you do when you serve a mission is you leave your family and friends you go out a lot of the times for the first time in your life and your objective your goal is just to help people whatever that might entail so a lot of people do a lot of service work a lot of people teach about you know the the church and teach about the, the beliefs and stuff like that but you're really supposed to like set your whole life apart to do this. You're supposed to concentrate on this as hard as you can. And it's, so it's like, it's an experience we've all had, uh, in different places. You experience a lot of uh, very intense situations most of the time. I would agree. I would agree. In fact, that's how, uh, most of us on this podcast met, uh, Jordan, Sean and I met in the Philippines as missionaries. Um, and then Charles served in Australia as a missionary. So, yeah, right before Molly heads out to serve on her mission, female missionaries, they're gone for 18 months. And that's a long time to be away from home and your friends, especially in a third world country, um, learning a new language, dealing with other people. And our time, too. We didn't have we weren't on social media. Mm -hmm. We weren't we could only email our family once a week. We only called our family twice a year. Mm -hmm. Like That's like wild. Like that was you, just missionary life. Pretty remote. It was mostly for us to just stay focused on our purpose in the field. Oh, for which sure. Which Charles mentioned earlier is to either teach our beliefs, 
the gospel do actual service work. Yeah. Um, the first two words of our entire goal and objective is help others. Mm-hmm. Like that's your whole goal is just to help others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, right before Molly is leaving for her mission, she has this experience with sleep paralysis. It's her very first time experiencing it. And the way she describes it is she was awake and conscious of what was going on. And what was going on was she was immobilized. She couldn't move, felt this huge pressure on her chest, just pressing down on her where she could barely breathe. And what was interesting is she had a ton of negative thoughts and feelings enter into her head. And she said that they weren't her thoughts and it it terrified her. She got out of it somehow. She didn't really go into detail about that. But she remembers looking at the time, and it was around 3 in the morning when that happened. That's that's alarming. <laughs> it is alarming. I know it's a joke we make often, but it's a joke for a reason. Like, a lot of my weird uh, experiences happen around 3 a.m. Yeah. Well, in fact, that night, because we talked about all these stories, I, before I went to bed, as I was going to bed, I was like, I would not be surprised if I had sleep paralysis tonight. Luckily, I didn't. Oh, nice. But I woke up in the middle of the night. My right eye, no joke, was like stinging and just watering up. Just my right eye. Just kept tearing up. And it was so sore. And um, I wanted to go to the bathroom to get some water and like wash my eye out and see if anything was wrong. I pick up my phone and I look and it's 3 o'clock on the dot. This is the night that three oh oh three zero zero on the dot, and this is the night that we were all sharing stories. So, I think there is some type of credibility behind talking about these things, um, and inviting, you know, these kind of experiences to happen again sometime, somehow, with some people. So anyway, good, good luck out there. Yeah, quick, <laughs> quick uh, side note with what happened with that. So that was Molly's experience. That doesn't end there, though. Fast forward one year. She's on her mission. She has a, a roommate. And you'll see Mormon missionaries walk around two by two. They're always with another missionary. Um, and that person is called a companion. Your companion is there to, you're there to help each other focus on that purpose of teaching or helping other people. Uh, some of my companions have been some of my best friends. And you're just trying to stick it out together. Anyway, so her companion and Molly, they were the only ones in the house. Sometimes there's two or three companionships in the house. But in this case, it was just Molly and her companion. And a year to the date of when she had her first sleep paralysis, she has it again in New Caledonia. Same day. Same day. Exact same day. And this time, she wakes up and she feels that intense pressure. Uh, She can't move. She can't breathe. Her bed is right next to the wall, and on on the other side of the wall is the kitchen. And she says... She remembers hearing the sink slowly turning on and a cup filling up with water. And after that happens, she hears a male voice say on the other side of the wall, Molly, why are you awake? 
My eyes are tearing up right now. I'm like kind of crying. Okay. It doesn't stop there. What? After the male voice says that, a female voice says, Molly, why are you awake? And at this point, Molly is still, I guess, in sleep paralysis mode where she can't move. She can't breathe, but she, she can hear these things. Those first two voices happen, and apparently it's a thin wall enough for her to hear these things. But she hears it again. Molly, are you awake? And that phrase keeps repeating itself, except it's coming around the corner. It's like getting closer and closer to her door. Closer to the door. Oh. Is and the door shut? She could hear the voice traveling. Molly, why are you awake? Molly, why are you awake? Moving around the corner, getting closer to her door. And then it stops at her door. And she explains that she she prayed. And that's something I feel like I've done when I've experienced sleep paralysis. I don't know what else to do. Dude. <laughs> you know, as as somebody who believes in God, I, I'll ask for help. I mean. Can't hurt. There, yeah. <laughs> I wake up at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night. I'm saying a prayer. There's Yeah, there's nothing much else I feel like I, I can do. Um, and, and she did the same. But I um, got to the door. And that was pretty much it. Uh, she she prayed. She got out of her sleep paralysis. Um, she didn't go to sleep for the rest of the night. For the rest of her life. <laughs> for the rest of her life. <laughs> the last thing that happened was she looked at the clock and when it happened, it was also 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, dude, she's like our freaking mascot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But that was the last time she had sleep paralysis. She's had it twice in her life. Dude. Each one. They were a year apart from each other during times that she was experiencing a lot of physical, emotional, mental stress. Hmm. I wonder if that affects sleep paralysis. I think it probably plays a factor. I don't know exactly how, but it's weird. I'm going to touch like a little bit. So there is a scientific explanation for sleep paralysis. And to my understanding, my super limited understanding Basically what's happening is your mind has woken up, but there is a disconnect between your mind and body and your body has not woken up. So your motor skills and everything still shut off as if you were asleep. Your body does that because um, it, it doesn't want to react to dreams. So in a dream, if you were having a stressful dream, you'd be throwing punches, right? So in order to protect yourself from hurting yourself, your body has this mechanism where it can completely like paralyze you. And so that's, that's what I've, my understanding is like your brain was woken up your mind, but it didn't switch that switch. It like forgot, but so that's like the scientific explanation, but there's so many extra correct, extra stuff around it that it like doesn't feel just like a coincidence or like a, like it feels like planned. It feels, I don't know. It feels like there's something more to it. Well, and also like the feeling that there's figures around you and things like that too you're just like are those just like figments of everyone's imagination or is like your brain in a state to where like for some reason it's just what you're seeing is just these projections from your brain or whatever why i wonder why it only happens to some people and not others i don't know maybe like your switch is just stronger than maybe it's based on your sexual orientation i uh, (laughs) have never had sleep paralysis but 
I have been hungry before, and the best way for me to cure that is to go to our sponsor, Green Beanie Catering. (laughs) His Instagram is Green Beanie Catering, and he has a website, greenbeaniecatering.com. He will cater your quinceanera, your birthday, your wedding, Homeboy other would special cater your events. Conception, dude. He would do anything for you. I said quinceanera like three times yes in yesterday's podcast with association to Green Beanie Catering. So Lots uh, of I appreciate our uh, uh, connectivity. Okay. That was a beautiful ad. Good segue. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> on the real well so done. Kevin, he we're gonna we're gonna pull the pull the curtain back a little bit. Kevin's actually one of our greatest friends. Um, but that doesn't take away from his ability to cook at all. He is one of the best chefs I've ever met in my entire life, and I've been around the world. But furthermore, Kevin has so many experiences and stories that have happened directly to him that are going to be on this podcast. So we're trying to figure out if we're going to have him come on and tell them, or he's just I'm just going to relay them because I – when I first met Kevin, so what I what I do a lot of the times when I meet people is like, what's your best scary story? And when I asked Kevin that, I was blown away because we had like a three hour long conversation, and he wasn't he didn't scratch the surface. So Kevin has a super his he has a very close, constant, um, a reoccurring relationship with the dark arts, dude, with like the dark side of stuff. And with Kevin too, like, not even just the amount, but like the quality. Of stories, I'm just like, if this happened to me, I would no longer be here. <laughs> I feel like, as somebody who believes that there are spirits, uh, good and bad, I feel like we can't see them because there's almost like a curtain, or like a veil in between, I guess, the worlds um, that each entity resides in. But there are some people I feel like are closer to that veil or that veil is a bit thinner for them and they're really sensitive to those types of things kevin is one of those people sometimes it's on purpose people seek out those things and i i feel like most of us on this podcast but some people are i don't know what it is if we were to describe kevin he's very benevolent very loving sensitive and loud energetic exciting <laughs> like a huge a big presence like he he commands like a, a group really well and you like you know when kevin's there like he's gonna he's gonna make himself known because of everyone else that wants to be around him connect with him maybe just so loud the ghosts just are like trying to haunt him to like make him be quiet or whatever like, shut up dude <laughs> he's charismatic and i think I mean, why can't, if you believe in spirits, why can't they also be attracted to certain mm-hmm. you know, people? I, I almost feel like maybe the veil is um, thinner for them or in a way they're like targeted more because they are like, like every person I know like that tends to have like a big personality. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is. Also, uh, you know, DJ was talking about those photos you got any crazy photos that you guys have taken or that you know in your family? Email them to us as well. We we can post them up on our Instagram, share that content with all, everyone else, and just get a little get a little creepy together. We don't we don't have answers to everything, 
And I don't know if we'll ever learn any answers for some of these things uh, in this life. <laughs> uh, but uh, these are things that are fascinating. You know, A lot of people have these stories um, or know people that have these stories. Uh, even though we might not find out the answers behind them, they're still exciting and there's a lot to learn culturally, um, historically, um, with these stories. So if you have anything, we'd love to hear them and even share them here on the podcast one day. So thanks for coming through and listening. Does anybody have any other stories? Um, I'll tell one. So it, 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 I think this is a common experience for a lot of people who decide to go out on a mission in the Mormon church. Uh, is like right before you go, more often than not, you face a lot of opposition, whatever that may be. And that was true for me. So I decided to go out kind of late. I wasn't really sure if I was about that thing. And for personal reasons, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And, uh, so I had made the decision and a lot of things started happening. But one of the times I had gone into my room. So you remember I described my room last time I had a love sack on the ground (laughs) If you don't know what that is, look it up. Careful what you Google. But it basically, essentially, it's a big beanbag. And then I had a loft bed. So it was like a bunk bed, but there was no bottom one. So I had my desk under my bunk bed, right? And the love sack was under that. So I was kind of lazy, didn't like climbing the ladder. So most of the time, I just slept on my love sack under my uh, loft bed. And this is in the same house where I had all of those experiences that made me convinced it was haunted. So... I'm sleeping on the love sack. I can hear my mom like cooking in the next room. And all of a sudden my eyes pop open wide and I'm staring like drilling holes with my eyes under the bed. So I'm looking up at the bed that's right above my head. And I feel like an overwhelming presence, like an undeniable presence. Like there is a dark figure right above that mattress and I'm like just staring at it and my whole body is paralyzed. I can't move and I can hear my mom cooking. So in my mind, I start screaming for my mom, but nothing's coming out. Nothing's coming out. So I'm staring at it and just praying in my head, trying with all my might to roll over and it's getting closer and closer to the edge of the bed and I can feel it and it looks dark up there. And finally I snap out of it I roll over and I run out of my room and I'm like, <gasps> and my mom just looks at me. She's like, you're all right. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And I just went and sat on the couch <laughs> for like the rest of the day. I was like, I'm not going back in there. What's crazy too with sleep paralysis is like, even like in the middle of the day, you're like terrified. Cause like most things, if they happen and it's like 2 PM, you're like, oh, okay, like that wasn't scary. But if that same thing happened at like three or like four, you're like terrified. Right. But like, Sleep paralysis, it's, it's still terrifying in the daylight. It's like the same. Oh. It's just that being completely defenseless. Like you can't do anything if something were to show up. Yeah, it's a vulnerability. Like, yeah, yeah, you, you're screwed basically. It's like those people who are like, what's it called? Uh, you're like in a coma or whatever, but you can like, it's not it's not technically that, but like, you, you know, like where uh, people think you're paralyzed, but you're actually still awake, you know? Yeah, people who have come out of comas, they share stories about how friends have visited them and they remember somebody sharing, like, just eating with them, sharing a story. 
Yeah. Or, like or like getting tortured, like you're getting tortured. There's like nothing you can do. Right. And so like with sleep paralysis, it's just like, oh man, anyone could come up and do whatever. It's also crazy how I guess this phenomenon is like super, it's worldwide. No. And Common. it's, yeah, it's happened for a long time. I remember watching a video about different countries and their cultures and their folklore behind sleep paralysis. And every culture or a lot of different cultures have names for almost like the demon or the ghost that suppresses you during sleep paralysis and Uh, induces that state of paralysis the italians and i apologize if i i'm butchering this but italians call call the ghost uh panda fece panda (laughs) fece sounds good yeah um and it's apparently an evil witch uh or ghost-like spirit sometimes a a terrifying cat-like creature uh the cambodians call it the ghosts that pushes you down in Egypt. It's called the ghost is called the Jinn, J I N N. That's a precursor for the genie. Is that, it? That's where the genies come from. Is from the Jinn. Jinn really? are like way older than genies. They're like demons. Jinns yeah. are demons. J I N. Jinns are dem- demons. There's like an anime about something Jinn. There was a movie made about the Jinn as well. Oh really? It's like a 14 on Rotten Tomatoes. So probably don't watch <laughs> it, but it happened. 14. What else is there? That's crazy. Uh, in, well, it's funny that the djinn is a old, uh, it's Egyptian because <laughs> if you ever played the game Tekken, oh, I love it. Uh, which is a, a Japanese game, but one of the main characters is Jin, and he's like the son of a, of the devil mm. or something. Um, other names I remember in Hawaii growing up, it was just called the sitting ghost. You just sit on your chest and you can't breathe or move. Squat on that chest. Yeah, took a little squat. But, yeah, it's been around for a long time and everywhere. And it's ingrained in culture. Like 150 years ago, 200 years ago, before, like, medicine and modern medicine stuff, like, you assume that's a demon. Like, not too long ago, you know, like. Before they knew what germs were, it was like. There's things you can't see, little creatures <laughs> that come in and kill you. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, that's no. punishment, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, germs are terrifying. But uh, yeah, like how before science, before you knew that mechanism that woke you up, how it, it's a ghost. Sleep paralysis is a demon for sure, because you actually see things. So I don't know. Uh, you feel it. You can't move. Oh. Who had the cat thing? The cat creature. That looks terrifying. What was that? Cambodia. Italian. Italian. Okay. Um, my friend told me this story and it rocked her so hard. She asked me to never tell it to anyone. So I'm just going to tell it to you guys. And everyone We're just going to tell it on the worldwide. Everyone at home, net. cover your ears because you can't listen to this. Yeah, part. Please, please don't listen. Thank you. <laughs> but I won't mention her name. Well, we know it's her. Amber. I'm sign languaging it right now. No. <laughs> anyway, so she, when this happened to her, dude, she came to me like, pretty shook she was one of my best friends in high school and we both actively sought out scary stuff all the time we both had older siblings who were really into like ghost hunting or like going out to find urban legends so they told us all of those and between me and her we like knew all the urban legends in the entire central valley so she was one of my friends who i did that with a lot 
Anyway, one night she's in her room. Her bed is right in front of her closet and she had taken down her, the doors from her closet and she just hung up a sheet. She said she was like tossing and turning. She couldn't fall asleep. She had this weird, uneasy feeling and she rolls over with her back to the closet and she hears a low growl coming from the open closet right behind her. How close is her bed to the closet? Her, her room was small. Her house was pretty small. Mm-hmm. Two feet. Okay. Like you could reach out and touch the closet from her bed. Okay. She or, had a big... Or it could reach out and touch her from exactly. the closet. So the, uh, cool. the growl is like on her. She's being growled on. Okay. So she rolls over back to the closet and she hears this low, at first, quiet growl. And she freezes up. She like doesn't move. Because she wants to like, am I actually hearing this? And she just hears like this growl. And it's getting... It's getting louder and closer. And she starts like hyperventilating. And she said, she's so terrified she can't move. And the growl comes up until it's like on her neck. And it's loud. And she doesn't know what to do. She said she was, this is the most terrified she'd ever been. She could not move. Whether that was sleep paralysis or fear, I don't know. But she said she could not move. And the growl is like super loud and aggressive right on her neck. And then all of a sudden it like roared or barked and she felt something jump on her and push her face down into the mattress super hard all the way into the mattress sinking in and then it's gone. And she flipped around bawling. Looked in her room, nothing. Gra- she had like a string that hung from her light. She reached up, grabbed it, turned the light on, nothing in the room. And she's like, I, I don't, I don't know how to explain. Like, what, what was that? What is that? And I was like, I don't know, I don't know, dude. That sounds terrifying. A growl audibly on your neck. But that, that's the that's the first time I've ever heard to it referred as like a cat demon or anything like that. So I've never thought of that, but. Like I made that connection while you're saying that. It's weird. Did were they like hands or paws or a full body pressed on her? Could does she go into detail about the way like, d- what the interaction between her body and whatever was touching her? Not super specific. All I know is like the growl was right up on the back of her neck. It was loud. She said it sounded like feline or darker, like a bigger and then uh when it rolled her over and pushed her face down in the mattress. She, the way she always described it was feline. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. But uh, she never said it was like a cat. And she said it was like a lot bigger because she owned cats, but she was like, there is no way that was my cat. My cat didn't flip me over and push me down into the mattress. Mm-hmm. That would be terrifying, though, if your cat did that. <laughs> that cat would I'd stop not that. wake up <laughs> that <cat laughs> real quick. Yeah. Catch, catch some toes. I mean, like, go uh, bite this curb, kitty. <laughs> yeah. Smash the back of its head nine times just yeah. to make sure. Ten, bro. Yeah, ten. Get rid of all of its just, lives. Just swallow the end of this muzzle here. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I've never told that to anyone. If I hear growling tonight, that's okay. So I'm going to be upset. <laughs> since she's told me that, I have like a checklist of like when I get scared and have weird feelings, smell for sulfur, listen for growls. Check the temperature if it starts to drop, you know. And then when I like wake up, 
I'm always like looking, but like I'm very like I'm very I'm very straight, pretending like I'm still sleeping, but like I do the same thing. The other night when my when my eye was stinging, and before I went to the bathroom, I, I looked at the time and saw it was three o'clock on the dot. Like I put my phone down and just laid there for an hour. Um, I didn't know how much time had passed. And I remember thinking after laying there for maybe like 10 or 15 minutes that the most terrifying thing would be me looking back at my phone and seeing that it was still three. Oh my God. I had that, I had that like situation playing in my head for a long time that, that night. This was just, this was a few nights ago and I just laid in bed and refused to go to bed for a while. Then I finally, I kept my eyes open, just like looked around my room. Um, Cause I don't know. I, I just didn't want to go to bed, but uh, I finally picked up my phone and looked and it was exactly four o'clock. Whoa. Yeah. Did it feel like an hour? I don't know. Sometimes it felt like longer than an hour and then it felt longer than an hour. This wasn't That's, the daylight savings, was it? No, this wasn't. <laughs> this wasn't daylight savings. Okay, just um, making sure. Because that would be so funny. You're like, it's three a.m. again. It is April third right now. That happened on April first. Oh, all right. Oh, that was right. daylight savings. So the universe was <laughs> April foolsing you. Yeah, hell, I got April fooled that night by Demon. De yeah, but it was crazy. It was like an exact hour, and then after that, I would, I don't know why I was like. Okay, it's not three o'clock anymore. We're I'm, good. I'm good. I'm safe. Put my phone down, and then I just closed my eyes and I went to sleep like immediately. Be terrifying. Do any of you check, like your closet or anything before you go to bed? It depends on how wild I'm feeling. <laughs> um. So like, it it depends on where I'm at too. If I'm at my parents, I am checking. Everywhere. everywhere i don't know why though <laughs> maybe it's because with like living with you guys i'm like oh i got like three other dudes we're gonna be fine like if something goes down we're throwing down i won't lie every night for the past week i've checked my closet and under my bed is after i saw the movie us oh dude as you Spooky. should what i was gonna say is i check everything i check closets i check part of it is because i know i won't be able to fall asleep because in the back of my mind I'll something's think, there damn it dude Unless i should have checked um and i'm not checking for ghosts i'm not checking for monsters i'm checking for humans yeah for real oh, yeah, for sure for humans. i do the same thing when i go to my car every time especially at night mostly at night but before i get into my car i look into my backseat oh i go backseat all day I'll, I'll feel i feel down to the ground almost every time i hop into the car because i'm like what if it's like a miniature dude trying to m murder me next time you feel what if you just hit a breathing chest. <laughs> I hit a breathing chest. I pull my hand back and just run out of my car. If I'm driving, Start I'm throwing smacking bowls. my head against the steering wheel. <laughs> just bird boxing. <laughs> I bet. Oh, what's up, dude? What are you doing? <laughs> just be really nice to them. Maybe that's all they want is just somebody to be nice and not scared yeah. of them. You know. I have nothing to offer. <laughs> I have like one for me. Twenty dollars in Venmo credit. <laughs> Hella Chick Fil A points. Maybe that's of some like, consolation. I want that silver status. <laughs> are you still silver? Are you gold now? <laughs> I or is am it red. I, I am uh, like ten dollars away from red member, which is wow Ooh. the top upper echelon level of Chick Fil A oh, kingdom. Damn, damn. Oh, that's insane. I know. 
That's wild. You'll address me as Sir, <laughs> the King, Red Man, King Fillet, the Red One. <laughs> no, that's you. Um, don't try I'm to tell your grandma, to... bro. <laughs> I I check everywhere, like everywhere in the house. If I come home and the door is unlocked, that's my thing. If the door is unlocked, gotta check everywhere. I'm like, oh gosh. And then have you then checked this back room b- ever before? I, yeah. Uh, Chad's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I legit have gone in there. You just and me to make did sure. it. It's you funny, and me did it dude. A couple times. Why is that funny? I have never checked anything. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like you've had experiences and like, oh no, I was just well like enough. I was like what? <laughs> One time, the most scared I've ever been in a movie was when I went and saw The Grudge. Who'd I, you go with? I went with my little sister and my dad. Pack theater. Uh, I can't remember because I was too terrified. I don't know. It was when I was like thirteen, fourteen. Okay. So, The Grudge is by all means not the scariest movie, but for some reason it affected me more. I've seen. Hannibal Lecter. I've seen, you know, like Silence of the Lamb. I've seen every scary movie there was out. Some of them don't really phase me at all, but for some reason the grudge got me. And it might be because I'm part Japanese. There's also something about like a little girl, like children being demonic is terrifying. Or smaller people, for some reason that is, I don't know why, but it's like a flex because they're like so aggressive at you and you're like, you shouldn't be your tiny. Yeah. Just like the leprechaun dude. Yeah. <laughs> a, fr- a friend with weed is a friend indeed. <laughs> so scary. We need to watch that one again. So I went and saw this movie with my dad and my little sister and it scared all three of us so bad. My dad said he's never been as scared. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what it was. And it might be because he married a Japanese woman. He Who knows? He's Japanese children now. Yeah. So he's like, dude, I have these little meow, meowing kids all around me. Anyway, so. Grudgeites. We're so scared. My little sister's crying on the ride home. <laughs> she sat in the front seat. I sat with my back to the back of the Suburban, just like watching, trying not to get got. And we go home, and my parents had were divorced at this time, so my dad had to drop us off at my mom's house and go back to his big, empty-ass house all alone. <laughs> and later he said he came home to this dark two-story house, opened the door, just this echoing door into this huge, empty, dark house. So he starts turning on all the lights, starts checking closets. And he's like, oh, okay, we're good. Goes to his room, gets ready for bed, and he goes into his closet. He looks on the ground, and there's, like, insulation on the ground. And if you've ever seen The Grudge, (laughs) a lot of The Grudge happens in the attic (laughs) of the house. So my dad walks into his closet, looks down, and there's insulation sprinkled on the ground. And he looks up, and there is the square of the attic, and it's propped up and turned so it's like <laughs> you can see the corner oh, into the my. pitch black. Like attic. somebody went up there and did not put it back properly. And on the attic door, there was a dirty handprint. So he went and called my oldest sister and was like, get your ass over here. He's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think he owned a gun at the time. I think he grabbed a bat and he like, I think he might have left for the night and came back in the morning. As you should. Comes back, looks in the attic. No one's in there closes the door doesn't know what's happening he didn't tell me that for like a year the day before we went and saw the movie i was in my backyard at night and i looked up and you could see from outside that the attic light was on in my dad's house 
does does he have any explanation for why that why that this was? This is before we went and saw the movie. Yeah. So I went up there, climbed up into the attic, turned the light off, thought I had done a clean job, thought I closed everything all fine. And left. And I was like, I'm doing, I am the keeper of this house. I'm keeping this house together. Yeah. Like the light was still on. You're wasting money. Yeah. And then I went on my merry way, but it turns out I almost gave my dad a heart attack. He said he almost died. He walked into the closet, looked down and looked directly above his head and the attic door is open like a jar. And he like, I, he probably screamed. He I would lose it too. I would have seized up and just started urinating myself and just hoping that. I would lose it too. I, uh, yeah, after seeing the movie Us, and this is in the previews, but you can see the doppelganger, and there's a part where the girl, a little girl, is in the Hall of Mirrors. She comes across this one mirror, and she's looking at her, but she's looking at the back of her head. And the reflection in the, like I said, this is in the trailer, the reflection of her turns around and looks at her. And, that's all I've been thinking about. Every time I go in the bathroom, look <laughs> look in the mirror, and when I walk into the mirror, I just like wait to like look at the try back of my head. Yourself. Yeah, I try to catch myself. Um, <laughs> I like I'll like right after seeing the movie, I would like look outside, like the the out front of our house, just to make sure we didn't have any like Shans or Jordans looking back into us. I'm feeling good. I feel I'm feeling good too. too. Sorry, I wanted to keep that going a little more. No, it's okay. But I think we got a couple good, better, good, good ones on it. Yeah. How about you, people out there? Feeling good? Feeling safe? That's what we want. Want also, you to be. <laughs> what? Sorry. That night after the movie, my dad dropped me off to my mom's house. Right. I'm sleeping on the ground at night, and my mom walks around the corner, and my mom's Japanese. <laughs> almost swung on her. <laughs> <laughs> I was so scared, dude. She's just like. I'd be terrified. I'm like, ah, uh, left hook. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, DJ. Go for it again. No, I'm not, that was it. I was just closing. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah. We hope you are staying safe out there. Take luck. Be good. See you next time. Through terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events, on our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience.
Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast killer podcasts and slow burn media production subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows